Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is gonna be fresh, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's gonna put faith on the inside of you. It's gonna cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word, God bless you. All right, come with me in your Bibles. Genesis 1, uh, 26 to 28. The title of my message today is Your Two Biggest Battles. Your Two Biggest Battles. Because we live on this side of the heavens, because we live on this side of eternity, you and I ha have to do some, some battles. I, I, know, I know that the world will try and tell you that, you know, uh, world peace is possible. And if you were like, you know, if you were like a, a finalist for a beauty pageant and you don't know what to say when they ask you what your one wish is, just say, world peace. It's like, oh, oh. But, but in this life, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of justice. I heard somebody who, who I deeply admire and respect say something that, that isn't, doesn't, I understand, the, the, I understand the, the spirit behind what they were saying, but it was still somewhat incorrect. They said that God hates war. And, and, and I think the spirit of it is, is right. But Exodus 15 verse three says, the Lord our God, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. And the, reason, the only reason that, that the Lord is a man of war is because it says in the book of Revelation that there was war that broke out in heaven. Think about that. War broke out in heaven. If we kind of think of heaven as the perfect place, war broke out in heaven because there was a rebellion in heaven. Satan and his angels or the dragon and his angels fought with Michael. Michael and his angels fought back and the dragon and his angels did not prevail, so they were cast into the earth. And the Bible says, therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. That's why whenever anybody has a, you know, a, a, a near death experience or a, where they died and they left their body and then they came back, they'll tell you about the greatest rejoicing and celebrating is because rejoice you heavens and you who dwell therein. But then it says, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Last time I checked, that's us. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, having great fury, great anger, because he knows his time is short. When Jesus came to the earth, he didn't, he didn't kind of have a powwow. He didn't do the Will Chamberlain saying, hey, I've, I've got you know, peace in our time. I sat down with Satan and he signed it. We're just gonna coexist. Everywhere Jesus went, he had to drive out evil. The Bible says that there would come a time where, in fact, it says that God will soon crush Satan under your feet. The Bible says the wicked, there's wickedness and there's evil in the world. And our job is not to coexist with it. Our job is not just to relabel, you know, slap a new label on it and call it misunderstood. We've got to call it what it is. And our job is to drive out evil. 
because we live in a fallen world, there are two, two battles that every single one of us will face. So Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. We believe that every human being has value because they carry the imago Dei, the image of God. That you have value, not because of who you are, uh, not because of where you come from, not because of what you've accomplished, not because of your skin colour, your height, your weight, your ethnicity, your background, your college degree, your education. You have value simply because you were born bearing the Imago Dei, the image of God. That makes you priceless. It makes you priceless. The Mona Lisa. If you painted a copy of the Mona Lisa, it's not as much as the original. There's only one original and it is priceless. There's only one original of you. There are seven billion people on the planet, yet not one other person has the same. I mean, look at the real estate. Has the same thumbprint, has the same retina scan, has the same voice. You are a unique, you are an original. Do not die a carbon copy. You are so valuable, you are priceless. In fact, there's a law in real estate that something's only worth Know what the seller thinks it's worth. You can say, well, I'm selling my house and I'm believing that my house will be $20 million. Who's gonna put that on there? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think your house is worth. The market sets the value. Something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. The devil is a liar. You know what he told you? He says, you're, you're damaged goods, you're no good, you're... But Hang on, let's go to real estate. Real estate says that something's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. You know how much you're worth? For God so loved the world. God came and hung on a cross to buy you, to redeem you. Redeem means to buy back. You and I were slaves of the devil and God said, what will it cost me? And the devil says, you want them? This is in our hero. You want them, you can have them. If, if what? Your life for theirs. But remember, they have all sinned. They revel in their sin. None does what is right. None glorifies God. Each has turned to his own way. They're full of adultery, murder, envy. Are they really worth spilling your blood for? Would you? <sighs> Jesus hung on a cross because he was making a statement that you are so priceless. But in this life, there are two battles. So let's have a look. Genesis 1:26. God makes man in our image. Verse 27. So God created. God is not a God that says stuff and then doesn't follow through. God creates. And then verse 28. Then God blessed them. We just heard from Pastor Mike that the default position is blessing. Then God blessed them. They hadn't graduated from Harvard. Hadn't broke the five minute mile. Then God blessed them. Hadn't done nothing. They were just, they were just breathing, just living. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now come with me, second passage of Scripture. We're going to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We were going to start reading in verse 1. In fact, we'll read verse 1 and then we're going to jump down just for time's sake. It says, The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. 
The next, the next eight verses all the way to verse nine is basically what they call a genealogy. A genealogy. A genealogy says this is the great granddaddy, this is the, the granddaddy, this is the daddy, this is the son, and this son had these kids. It is, it's, it's a genealogy. The reason this is important is because all of us arrive bearing, bearing the DNA and bearing the, some predispositions that our forefathers carried. We don't just carry eye color, hair color, genetic things. We also carry spiritual things. Verse 9 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother, where was his daddy? His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Yabez in, in Hebrew literally means bringer of sorrow, bringer of pain, bringer of misery, bringer of grief. This little boy was born into the world and immediately labeled that because his entry into the world was at a time of brokenness and grief. Now we don't know whether, whether, whether daddy left, whether daddy had an affair, whether daddy died. We, we, we don't know what was going on. All we know is there's no daddy in the picture, but mama puts, this, this, puts her pain, her sorrow, her grief, her travail and puts it onto her son and names him bringer of grief, bringer of sorrow. They call this, they have, a, they have a term, a sociologist and psychologist call this the lottery of birth. The lottery of birth. How many people got to choose where they were born? How many people, how many people got to choose their parents at least? At least you got to choose your parent. You didn't get to choose your parents. You didn't get to choose where you were born, how you were born, when you were born. We, we had no say in that. And yet the world that we live in is so cruel that, that, that we are teased, we are made fun of because of our ethnicity. I was born in Germany, grew up in Australia and was called Kraut, was called Nazi, was called Hitler, was called all kinds of names because I grew up in Australia, but I was born in, I had no, I had no choice in where I was born. I didn't have any control over my DNA. My father has skinny legs, I got skinny legs. People made fun of my skinny, I had no, I had no control over. The world is incredibly cruel. So Jabez, Jabez, his mother labels him, names him bringer of sorrow. But verse 10 says this, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. I kind of thank God that there was an awakened church around Jabez's life where he could go, where people could tell him the truth that you don't just have to coexist and you don't just have to suffer, that you don't have to just, you know, kind of put up with and hey, this is just your lot in life and hey, you know, case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be and you know, it's God's will and God gets great glory out of seeing your life suck. You know, thank, you know, I, I, terrible theology. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Everyone say breakthrough. Everyone say transformation. There was a breakthrough and there was a transformation there. I want you to know today in this house, we call on the same God, the God of Israel, the God of Israel. 
Hashem Israel. We call on the name of the God of Israel, who's a God of breakthrough, he's a God of dominion, he's a God of blessing, and he's a God of transformation. So Jabez calls on this God, and God turns up and God delivers. But there are two aspects, and these are the two battles. The first one is the battle for identity. The battle for identity. Identity theft is a massive problem in 2021. $52 billion was stolen from American people through identity theft. $52 billion. That's, that's equivalent of a billion dollars a week stolen through identity fraud. The devil is an identity thief. The devil is an identity thief. The, the reason he does that is because your identity and your destiny are two sides of the same coin. Your identity and your destiny are two sides of the same coin. Whenever God speaks about somebody's destiny, the frequency of God is, when God speaks, His, His language, His words are a frequency. And the frequency is destiny. Moses, you're gonna go to Pharaoh and I'm gonna deliver Israel through you. 400 years of slavery, you're gonna command him, let my people go. And I'm gonna do signs, wonders and miracles. I'm gonna use you to deliver my people. Moses is, who am I that I should? Moses answers back with identity. God speaks to him destiny. He responds with identity. Gideon, you mighty man of valor, go in this strength of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian have I not sent you? God is speaking destiny. Gideon responds, who am I that I should go? I'm the least in my father's house and our house is the least in our clans and our clan is the least in all that. He responds back with identity. The devil knows that if he holds your identity, he can rob you of your destiny. If you talk to anybody who's been involved in human trafficking or does human trafficking, this is what you'll discover. The first thing they take from the young girls or sadly even today young men, that they, 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 they enslave in this despicable, is the first thing they take is their identity. They'll take passports, driver's licenses, identification, because they know if they hold their identity, they can control their destiny. The devil is a liar. The devil is trying to destroy an entire generation to keep them from fulfilling their destiny by holding onto their identity. Identity is, is, is so powerful that, 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 we, that we see a pattern in, in the book of Genesis where God says, let us make man. Now it's, it's in Genesis 2 that God says, and God uh, brought all the animals to Adam. It's the first time we see Adam. Up till then, and God made man in his image and God took the man whom he had formed. And then all of a sudden it switches to Adam. Well, it's interesting because the Hebrew name for man is Adam, Adam. But in Genesis 1, it says, And God said, let there be light, and light was. And then God called the light day, the darkness He called night. And then God said, let, the, let there be a firmament, and it was so. And He called the firmament heaven. And then God said, let the waters separate the waters above from the waters beneath. And God called the waters beneath seas. And then God said, let dry ground appear. And dry ground appeared and God called it earth. And then from there, God says, but He doesn't call. 
God says and he doesn't call. God said, let the ground produce herbs and trees and plants and fruit bearing plants. Doesn't call them. And then God said, let the ground bring forth animals. And God said, let the oceans be filled with, with all kinds of creatures and fish. And then God said, let the, the, the sky be filled with birds and fowl and flying things. And then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God breaks the pattern. He said, and He called. He said, and He called. He said, and He called. And then He said, and no longer called. Why would he no longer call? Because Genesis 1.26 tells us, God said, let us now make man in our image and our likeness and let's let them have dominion over all the things that I stopped calling. I got kids and it's amazing. We'll be going out somewhere. I call shotgun. I call, I call shotgun. And it's not, it's, and the youngest, my youngest will call and now she's sitting in the front, you know, shotgun. Because she called it. She doesn't even, well, now she's got the longest legs, but back then she didn't. She wasn't, you know, the, the, these are the brothers. They're older than you. Like, it should be a pecking order. But because she called it, she got it. There's a power that God is trying to reveal to us of, of whatever you call it. Let me tell you what it is. It's the responsibility, authority, dynamic. The reason that God did not call those things, but brought them to Adam to see what Adam would call them, was because Adam was responsible for them. Responsibility and authority are two sides of the same coin. Responsibility and authority. You can't give somebody responsibility without giving them the equivalent in authority. That's cruelty. And you never wanna give somebody authority without responsibility. It's called Gavin Newsom, Pelosi, Schumer, bumbling Biden. It's the devil knows, the devil knows, and he's created a culture of victimization. Today, if, if you look out at the world, if you look at the, at the world around about us, we have a culture of victims. And, and, and the devil has generated this. This is not a kingdom thing. Sadly, the woke church has decided, hey, well, we don't wanna be rejected. So we're gonna throw our lot in and uh, we stand up for the most marginalized. And we're not meant to stand up for the most marginalized. We're meant to deliver the most marginalized. We're not meant to stand with, oh, oh, you know, we stand with and we identify with the, the oppressed people. No, no, we're not meant to stand with the oppressed people. We're meant to deliver people from oppression. We're meant to deliver people. But watch this, the devil does this, the devil does this. He has, he has passed the microphone to whoever is the biggest victim. Whoever is the victim, if you're, if you're an LGBTQ born on this side with this skin colour and with this, you know, it's like, who's the biggest victim? And he loves it because he's like, oh, you get the microphone. Tell everybody how, how, how cruel America is. America is a racist, oppressive nation 
don't look at the southern border. Don't look at the southern border. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, look away, look away. These are not the droids you're looking for. Don't look at the caravan of literally millions of people trying to get in because we're lying to you. No, no, no. It's, it's racist and oppressive and it robs from people. No, no, don't just ignore them trying to get in here because it's so liberating and so free and it's a land of opportunity and land of... Because watch this. To, to become a victim, you can only be a victim if somebody has oppressed you. That means that, that, means that you, you, you are no longer responsible because somebody did A, B and C. The system was A, B and C. Uh, other people did this. So I'm a victim of somebody else. The devil wants to create a generation of victims because while you are espousing your victim, he is stealing your authority. Because if you're a victim, you're not responsible. Therefore, you have no authority. The devil is an authority thief. So he comes and he whispers to you and says, oh, you could have been that, except, oh, you could have been this, except the system, except the culture. Look at your skin colour. Look where you were born. You were born to a migrant family in Germany and you now move to Australia. Don't they say to you that you're, you're, you're a migrant, you're an immigrant and you're not welcome here? Don't they tell you that Jürgen, as a German, when you got to Australia, it's you immigrants who are taking taking all the jobs from the Aussies. Didn't they label you with all of these things? You see, see, just, just, just abdicate responsibility. The devil wanted to take responsibility from me. He wanted me to abdicate it because he is an authority thief. Every oppressive tyrant, every oppressive regime wants to take authority for themselves and rule over you. Dennis Prager, my wife was talking to Dennis Prager. Our eldest son went through an eight-year battle with, with, a, with a drug that literally kills people. And he, his nephew had gone through the same battle. And Leanne asked, she said, oh, how is he? And he said, oh, he's free now. And we're rejoicing because, wow, that's like our son. Not too many people make it. He says, yeah. And I spoke to him. And I said, you know, what, what, what was it? What because was, he'd been in and out of rehab. And he says, well, what was it that, that brought the shift? He said, oh, it was... The shift happened when I stopped blaming my parents. He says, the day I stopped blaming my parents for my life, everything shifted. Why is that? Because you will never have authority over something you refuse to accept responsibility for. You will never have authority over something you refuse to accept responsibility for. The day that you accept responsibility is the day authority comes. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It doesn't say because I'm God's only son. Awkward. Feel sorry for you, but it's just the way it is. No, no. He, he, he didn't get all authority because He's God's favourite. Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been delivered to me because Jesus took all responsibility. Jesus died on the cross for sin, to cancel out sin. How many of His sins did He take to the cross? None. He had no sin. I had sin. He hung on the cross for my sin. 
This was my sin. I willfully engaged every single one. I willfully indulged every single one of those. They were my sins. And I was the one to bear judgment. I was the one to bear God's wrath. But Yeshua ben Elohim came from heaven and He picked up a cross on His back and He carried it to the top of the hill, gave His hands as they nailed Him to that piece of wood and He hung there, the sinless God, hanging on a cross because He knew that the wages of sin is death. He didn't want me to die for my sin. He didn't want me to die in my sin. He didn't want me to live an eternity separated from God. So He took all responsibility. Because He took all responsibility, He has all authority. Because responsibility and authority go together. Am I right about it? I, I, the, the saddest thing, the saddest thing, Gladys, is we, there's not a month that goes by that I've got to sit down with a husband who doesn't get this, who, who doesn't understand why his wife don't give him the respect he deserves. And it's like, I love you. And it's, he's not providing, he's not leading He's not protecting. They just got evicted from this property. They can't pay their bills. He's got a wife and kids. When you abdicate responsibility, you lose authority. If you accept responsibility, she'll have no problem submitting to your authority. But when you abdicate, you lose. We, 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 see, we see this pattern in the Scripture that it is as you say. That God gave Adam the ability to call the animals. In fact, it's very beautiful when, 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 when he finished naming all the animals, that God put him into a sleep, reached in, pulls out a rib and fashions a woman. He brings the woman to the man. And the Bible says, when Adam looked, he said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone." Watch this. She shall be called womb man, for she was taken out of man. She shall be called womb man, woman. Today, there's a documentary which I encourage watching by Matt Walsh called What is a Woman? And we have a knucklehead on the Supreme Court that can't answer what a woman is because she says she's not a biologist. My theory is if a three-year-old can tell you what a woman is, don't ever put that kind of person on the Supreme Court. My two cents were. But anyway, the Bible tells you right there that a woman is a man with a womb. If you don't have a womb, you're not a woman. Yeah, but I had breath augmentation. Doesn't matter. If you don't have a womb, you're not a womb man, are you? No, 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 no. I, I, I was born, I was born this, but now I've got a beard. And yes, you may have a beard, but a beard doesn't make you a man. Ever heard of the bearded lady? If you have a womb, you're a womb man. If you don't have a womb, it doesn't matter what drugs you take. It doesn't matter what, what surgery you take. Wound man. 
The devil, who's the architect and the author of confusion, because confusion always precedes destruction in the Scripture, always, has, has, a, has a generation telling them that they can identif- re-identify themselves by their pronouns. He knows that man was given authority and responsibility and that, that came in whatever he called it. So I want you to call me they. I ain't calling you they. I'm happy to speak to they and cast them out of you. Because let me tell you, they ain't helping you. They are confusing you. They are jacking you up. They are messing with you. I love our church. Eastlake just may be my new favorite. I know you're not meant to have favorites, but. See, my, my dad, I love you. My dad had to marry my mama because he got her pregnant. So he would tell me from a little, little kid that I was an accident. And when you're a little kid, your, your dad's words have the, have the greatest clout, the most weight, the most authority. And he said, you're an accident. And then I was growing up where even the school teachers, I mean, you think if anybody can spell, it's a school teacher. And then roll call, Jurgen, Jurt, Jurt, Jurgen Mather. Is this upside down? (laughs) And that's me. How do you say it's Jurgen? Oh, Mather, Matesius. Oh, okay. I, I hated roll call. And uh, Jürgen with a J, Jürgen. And I used to want to change my name. And then I'm in Bible college. I'm in Bible college and the girl next to me, she's pregnant, like, like beautiful Katie. And, and, and she's, like, she's like, oh, I've got this name book because, you know, we don't know what name. And I'm like, what do you mean a name book? I'm like, duh, just pick one. She's like, no, no, you know every name has a meaning. I'm like, names have meanings? She's like, duh, haven't you read the Bible? I'm like, oh, I just got saved. I'm starting to read the Bible. She goes, well, every name has a meaning. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. So I said, can I, can I? So I took the book. I remember get, going home from Bible college. I'm, I'm in my dorm and I'm looking through the J's and I get down, Jeff, you know, Jurgen, Jurgen's in there. And then it just has in parentheses, C. George. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Well, what do you mean, C. George? And it has little asterisks. And it says, Jürgen is a derivative of George. I'm like, no. I used to make fun of George. Georgie Porgy, pudding and pie, kissed the girls and made them cry. When the boys came out to play, Georgie Porgy ran up. Now he's just sat like, oh my. And then I thought, hang on, no, no, this is just like God. This is just like God. Things always get worse before they get better. It's darkest just before the dawn. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. So I, I, I go to the G's. You know, I'm going through, and, and, and every single name, Jeffrey, and every single name, Gerald, every single name had this sentence, like a sentence after it, like, you know, awesome one who lays low the nations. <laughs> Mighty conqueror of all kinds of, you know, I'm like, wow. And I, and I get down to George. There's no sentence. There's just one word. One, now, one word's not bad. 
if that one word was handsome. <laughs> warrior. But it wasn't handsome or warrior. There was one word, the meaning of George, farmer. I'm like, this is a joke, right? Honey, spent my whole life Jürgen, Gherkin, Yogurt, play Jerk. I can't even mention other things they call me. To find out my name means farmer, are you kidding? And I got the book and I threw it into the wall. And God's like, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with everything? I said, if you see what my name means. He goes, do you know what a farmer does? I don't care. Because I, I love movies. And, and my, I, I, don't just love, I don't just love the movie. I love the movie experience. I love, you know, you get there early. You, you know, you kind of get a seat like towards the back, but in the middle. And when all the lights go down, you know, come on! And you get your popcorn. And then, then they always have the, you know, the, 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 the previews. This summer. And I love the guy's voice. Can you imagine being his kid? Dad, can I borrow the keys? What for? <laughs> I, I, I want to go to the mall. Do you know how many kids are killed on? I mean, anyway, so, so, so I'm watching. But you know what you, ne you, know what you, ne you never see? The voiceover guy, the prequel, you never see this. This summer, a blockbuster movie of epic proportions. Aliens bent on destroying humanity have invaded the earth with supersonic light years ahead of us technology. Man stands no chance except there's one man. Only one man can save humankind. The farmer. Like you never hear that. You never hear of, of the farmer and he, he's riding on his tractor there. He got himself a big old peach fort like this and he, he's got himself his britches on. He's like, well, well, you little megalomaniac aliens, you're coming down here to our planet. Let me tell you something with your laser beam. Do, 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 your laser beam. I got me a pitchfork, and I'm going to stab you in the face hard, fast, and repeatedly till you get off out. You never hear about the farmer. The farmer is never the hero. Identity. I'm meant to be on identity, aren't I? It was entertaining though, wasn't it? So God said to me, God said to me, do you know what a farmer does? I'm like, I don't care. He's like a farmer sows seed, reaps a harvest. A father has sheep, oxen and cattle. He says, Jürgen, you're my farmer and I'm gonna send you to nations where you will sow the seed of the Word of God so there'll be a great harvest in the earth of sons and daughters of God. And I'm gonna give you sheep. I'm gonna give you congregations. I'm gonna give you oxen. I'm gonna give you leaders to establish my kingdom. So now I'm like, huh. Comment appelle tu? Je m'appelle Jürgen. Comment appelle tu? But you can call me farmer. Buenos dias, senor. Farmer. <laughs> biggest battle, identity. Second biggest battle, territory. Territory. 
Jabez says, I don't want to cause pain. I don't want to fulfill what has been spoken over my life. Jacob was called usurper, planter. He has an encounter with God and God says, no longer will you be usurper, supplanter. You will now be Israel for you have wrestled with God and have prevailed. I will make you prince with me. He was born Simon, but Jesus says, you're not a reed. You're a rock and on this rock I'll build my church. You are now Peter. Jesus is in the transformation business. Men may have called you broken. Men may have called you no good. You may live under labels. I know of a woman born in New York whose father went to prison for embezzlement. And she said for 30 years in the marketplace, she was embarrassed to give her name because her father was quite, had quite a, a, a reputation. And she carried, she carried the shame of her father's name who was done for embezzlement. She, she honestly didn't apply for some jobs because she thought as soon as they see my name, they'll be. It's amazing that the junk that gets put on, but I want you to know, in this house. It's a house of transformation. It's a house of deliverance. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel and He delivered him. I want you to know the God of Israel is in this house. We love His Word. We love His Spirit. We, we operate in His power. But Jabez says, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory that You would bless me indeed. When we came to San Diego, they tried to tell us, call San Diego a preacher's graveyard. They tried to tell us it's, it's expensive. And did you know that there's no zoning in San Diego for churches? Just give up ever owning a building. But I just thought, man, I came too far, sacrificed too much to take Your Word and put that in my mouth. I came too far to call it what you're calling it. If it's not working, why don't you change what you call it? So we began to call San Diego a city for Christ. We began to call it prosperous. We began to, today we own 13 properties, not one, 13. And more are coming, more are coming, more are coming. Not because I'm so smart, but because His Word delivers. I had this experience, I've got to finish on this. Oh dear God. When we lived in New Zealand, 1994, Jordan was just, just a, a little, little tight, just a little baby. We just bought our first home for $108,000. It was a miracle. And you've heard the story, I'll tell it again another time. And we got this opportunity to uh, do a, a fundraising project where we, in exchange for a whole day of clearing a property of debris, of thorn bushes, of, you know, overgrown ivy, broken down stuff, junk that was there, an old washing machine, a burnt out car. There was, in exchange for us clearing this property, they would give us $10,000. $10,000 meant that I could put on a junior high pastor. It was Reno. And so we needed a junior because our junior high had exploded. So we did this, so we got up at six and we're just working. Well, at noon, the, the, the project manager came to me and said, listen, uh, the, the owner of this property is the son of, the, of Auckland's biggest developer, Auckland, New Zealand, biggest developer. And he'd love to just shake your hand and thank you for how hard you guys are working. I called him, I told him, you guys are incredible. And so I said, oh, I'd like, and I'm looking at my hand, I'm just, I'm filthy. Well, he pulls up in a seven series BMW. And so I walked to the, the driver's door 
because in New, in New, New Zealand, Australia, we steering wheels on the right. Anyway, and it's so so I'm there, and then the window goes down on the back, and then the door opens, and he's sitting in the back because his chauffeur, his driver, was sitting there. I was 28, and he was 28. Well, I think I might have been 27, and he was 27. And so he, I see his shoes and his suit, and you know he's 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 wearing as much as more than, more than I made in, in a month, he's just wearing on his body. And he puts his hand out and says, thank you so much. Wow, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. And I was in Tim, I just said, oh, c- 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 congratulations. Like, wow, what, what an incredible, what a stunning property. Like, you know, you can see Brown Island, you can see Waiheke Island, you can see all the way up to Great Barrier Island, just endless views, you're right up on a cliff, wow. What a stunning home. I'm glad that we were able to clear it so you can live in here and look at that. He goes, oh, I won't be living here. I'm going to knock it down and, and rebuild something new. And it just messed my head. He gets into his car and he drives off. And so I talked to the project manager and I said, hang on, hang on. I heard that he bought this for 850 grand. He goes, yeah. I said, that's eight times what I paid for my place. I said, he's not even going to live in it. No, he's not going to live in it. He's going to, he's going to knock it down. He's going to bulldoze it. And he's gonna build a vanishing edge pool and you know, custom home with glass so that you know, just takes in all the views. I said, how much is that gonna cost? And this is 1994, he said about another 800 grand, 800 grand. So he'll be in the hole 1.65 million. He goes, yep. So what'll, what'll it be worth when it's finished? He goes, somewhere between 3.5 and 5 million. Next day, I'm, I'm driving to the Coromandel to go for a surf and I've got, this is how old I am, Bible on cassette. Remember Bible on cassette, Greg? Bible on cassette. And it just gets to the parable of the talents. You know, a, a business owner has servants and he calls them to one, he gives five talents, another two talents, another one talent, each according to their ability. So I'm leaning in. And the guy with five talents went and traded, produces five more. The guy with two talents traded two more. The guy with one buries it in the ground. The master comes after a long while and calls an account. The guy with five, here's 10. The guy with two, here's four. The guy with one, hey, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So look, I hid your money in the ground. Here, have back what is yours. And the master said, you wicked, lazy servant. Take the one from me and give it to the guy with 10 and cast the unprofitable. And right there, I had enough. I hit eject, threw it on the ground. And I thought, I'm having it out with God. I said, God, that's not fair. I'm the one talent guy. And it's true what he's saying. You're harsh. You're not fair. My dad disowned me when I went to Bible college, slammed his hand on the hood of my car, pointed through the windshield and said, not one cent, not one cent of support. And true to his name, I've worked for $18,000 a year. We scratch and scrape every week. I'm the one talent guy. I, if I invest that and I lose it, I got nothing left. So, so I'm the guy hiding it where I, at least I know it's safe and I can return. And now you're judging me. You're not fair. And God said to me, exactly, you are a one talent man. I'm like, hang on, you're meant to be encouraging. Whatever happened to God is like positive and speaks things by faith. You don't have to agree. He goes, you are, you're a one talent man. How long are you gonna be a victim? 
long are you going to abdicate responsibility? The guy with the one talent, he was a one talent man. And yes, the guy with the five talent is like the son of the developer you, you met yesterday. He's got probably got an expense account so he can see an $850,000 property and see potential and do all of that. And he's a five talent man and he can spend that, that 1.65, turn it into three and a half, wipe out the mortgage and now he's got 1.85 left. He can do it again. And here I am struggling every week. And God says, the difference is you staying a one talent man because if the one talent man would have gone to the guy with two and gone to the guy with five and said, hey, listen, what are you doing with your money? And if they would have told him, he could have thrown his one in there. He wasn't a five, he wasn't a two, he was a one. But with the first investment, he now becomes a two. And then all he has to do is do it again and he can become a four. And there's no law that says you can only do it twice. He can do it again and now he's an eight. And now he can do it again and he's a... And God said to me, Son, my principles work. God is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of His principles. And He says, you're burying instead of investing. So our house that we bought for 108, a year later we sold for 238, or 18 months later, 238. Then we bought land that was selling at 90,000, but the last three lots left, they did a, a builder's run out, a builder's sellout, and we, we got it, $60,000. And we built a home on there, probably owed us about $180,000. Three years later, we sold it for $380,000. Then we bought land in Sydney. We built a home in, in Sydney for about $520,000, but we ended up selling that a few years later for $950,000. But at the same time, because of the equity, we, we bought an investment property. That investment property quadrupled now in, in value. We bought it for $195,000, now it's worth just shy of eight hundred. dollars And so one of my friends who's a broker said, hey, you got all this equity, you should buy another property. My wife had a fight with her sister. She says, I don't want to stay with our sisters again when we come to, to, to Wollongong. So there's these service departments they're selling. It's a Lebanese Christian developer. I call him, he loves pastors. They were 430 to 490. I got mine for 385 because I never pay full price. Put a tenant in there. In four years, it was paid off. It just sits there. We can use it whenever we like, but we're making good rent. It's paying off the other one. I found that God blessed and enlarged our territory because, because this Word works. This, this Word doesn't care that I'm the son of a German migrant. This Word doesn't care that my dad told me I was an accident. This Word doesn't, it's not limited because I moved to Australia and we lived in a hostel with nothing, just the clothes on our back. It, 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 this Word works even when you pack up your wife and your three little boys and you move to send it. This Word works. This Word works. The only time it doesn't work is when it's not applied. Years ago, I, the Holy Spirit asked me a question. He said, when is the Word of God most powerful? When it is spoken? And I wanted to say, yes, when it is spoken. He said, or oh, when it's obeyed. He says, when the Word of God leaves God's mouth, power is in it. When you obey it, that power explodes in your life. Every area where you're disobedient, there's no power. Every area where you're obedient, there's power. Come on, let's stand to our feet, we're over time.
I went a little long, but I know there's breakthrough. Lift your hands if you need breakthrough. Lift your hands if you need breakthrough. The two biggest battles that you and I face is the battle for identity and the battle for territory. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank You, these saints, these sons and daughters of the Most High God today have stood in this house or sat in this house under the, under the preaching, under the ministry of the truth that is the Word of God. And I declare that they are not junk. They are not damaged goods. They are not an accident. Father God, that you, they carry, they bear the image and the likeness of the living Creator, God who created them, that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. I thank You, they carry the Imago Day. They carry intrinsic, in, they are invaluable. They are priceless because Jesus died on the cross and I break every lie. I break the spirit of confusion. I, I, I come against it now in the name of Jesus. Every word from the devil that says you're less than, you're not enough because you're born in the wrong body or if only you were this or if only you were that or if only you were this, that and this. I break it now in Jesus' Name. The God of the Bible is the God of nations. He's not the God of a nation, He's the God of nations. He's the God of ethnicities, He's the God of mankind. You are valuable because you belong to God. But Father, I also thank You for those who are stuck, who have been calling San Diego too expensive. San Diego, it's impossible, but I pray, Father God, today they would call it differently. They would recognise they have authority over this territory and they would begin to call. I declare we have a home. Our family is blessed. That The market opens up to us. God provides for us in this marketplace. I declare that they are the head and not the tail. They are above only, not beneath. They are blessed in the city and blessed in the country. They are blessed coming in and they are blessed going out. I think the blessing of the Lord is upon them and the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. I break the spirit of poverty and the cycles of poverty in the mighty Name. I thank You for identity and territory flourishing in people's lives. In Jesus' Name, everybody said, come on, give God a shout. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.